Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. It is good to see all of you again. Um, We are in a message series called When God Doesn't Make Sense, and... uh, after last week, we began this message series with uh, when God doesn't make sense by talking about when it seems like God is, um, is, is not paying attention to us, you know, um, and, and we talked about the story of John the Baptist and how he had every reason to believe that, that, that Jesus was going to come and rescue him. And we learned that in that time, that we can't trust in the plans that we have for our lives, but that instead we have to trust that God has a purpose for it. And so we're in the middle of this series where we're talking about life, and life is difficult, and it's frustrating, and, and oftentimes we're praying, and we're, we have things that we believe for, things that we want, things that we believe about God, and yet our life doesn't always seem to match up to it. And so last week we talked about when it seems like God is inattentive. Next week we're going to talk about and finish our series when it seems like God might be uncooperative. But today we're going to talk about when it seems like God is late. And we find ourselves in a situation of where we're waiting, 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 and waiting. And it seems, and some of us might be even in the room where you're waiting now. Some of you might even say it's too late. Like God is already late. There's this, a passage in scripture we're going to talk about today that, that deals with this very topic. And this is real. This is about as raw as it gets. And I encourage you to listen. I encourage you to follow along. Um, This series is not about a quick fix or steps to how to, if I just do these things, then then everything is going to be okay and and I'll feel all happy-go-lucky again. But I will say this, is that my goal for you is not necessarily that what it is that you're waiting for will come to pass, although that is my desire. And I do believe that it is God's desire in the grand scheme of things. But really what I believe about this message and this series is that this is foundational for our faith, is who is God? Who is he, and how does he act and interact with us? And I believe that if we can understand how he operates in general, then it will help us in times when it doesn't seem like God makes sense or when life doesn't make sense. And so today we're talking about when it seems like God is late. You know, I hate waiting. I hate waiting. I hate waiting for water to boil. I hate for waiting in traffic. I hate waiting at airports. I hate trying to log into my favorite video game, and I'm stuck in the queue. Um, There's this really popular game, video game out right now called Fortnite, and and I've just watched a friend of mine on Facebook posted there was a three-hour wait to get into this video game. I mean, it's insane. I hate waiting. Anybody else out there not like sitting anywhere and waiting? Three people hate waiting. You guys are a lot more patient than I am. Waiting, it's terrible. It's awful. For some of you, Though you're waiting for things that are a little bit deeper than things like traffic or water boiling. Some of you, you've been praying for a long time, believing God for something, that you're waiting for God's answer to come. And we're asking the question, God, why aren't you doing something about it, whatever this thing is? It could be money problems. It could be a financial challenge. God, why isn't my finances getting any better? I'm trying to put you first in my finances. Maybe it's a relationship. God, why isn't my marriage getting any better? 
God, why is it that my, my children aren't, aren't, uh, aren't obeying me? Why is it that I'm struggling with my kids? How come my health isn't getting any better? I'm doing everything I know to do. I go to the doctors, and I, I've been praying for your healing. I believe, I pray, and I believe that you can do something, but it doesn't seem like you are. You've asked God to do something, and you're asking why doesn't he do something. Maybe you've been waiting to conceive a child. Maybe you're waiting to get married. Maybe you're waiting on a prodigal child to come back to you. A child has left your home, maybe figuratively or even spiritually, or maybe even literally, waiting and waiting and waiting, waiting on a job, waiting for healing, waiting for someone to come to know Jesus in your family. You have hope and you desperately want them to know him, and yet it seems like it's never happening. You've been praying, believing God, but it doesn't seem to be happening. God, why are you making me wait? Why are you making me wait? I want to encourage you today with this statement. We'll start today. If you're taking notes, write this down. And by the way, if you ever want to take notes and keep a collection of them, uh, we have notebooks, Encounter Church notebooks out in the lobby at the Connection Center. We have them for $5. That's a wonderful place to just take notes every week. And you can look back over the months and see how God has spoken to you through a period of time. I encourage you to, if you're taking notes and putting them on scratch paper, get a notebook out at the, at the uh, Connection Center. But here's the idea I want to start with today about waiting. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. Now, before you yell at me and boo me off the stage that that sounds like a cliche, I believe this with all my heart. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. And today we're going to be looking at a story in John's Gospel John chapter 11, a story of Mary, Martha, and a man named Lazarus. Many of you have heard of Lazarus. Whether you've ever even been to church, you probably have heard of Lazarus. Lazarus is the dude who was raised from the dead. Spoiler alert, uh, in case you're wondering where this message is heading. Um, But the whole point of this, this particular passage of Scripture deals with the concept of waiting and the idea of God being late. Now, before we get into it, I'll give you a little bit of history. John uh, writes to us that Jesus was really good friends with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We see several uh, parts of Scripture that show Jesus hanging out. In fact, it says reclining. Like the word is like reclining, laying down on like either a mat or uh, like a couch, one of those chaise lounges, something in that nature. This is not a formal dinner, not a formal occasion. Jesus was really good friends with with Mary and Martha and with Lazarus. They were buds. They hung out all the time. They ate dinner together. They talked together. They were wonderful friends. So Lazarus gets sick. Lazarus gets sick. And we see in John chapter 11, so right away, what would you think? You think in the same thing that I am. Jesus is my best friend. We hang out all the time. Jesus is out healing strangers. I have got nothing to worry about with my friend Lazarus, right? I mean, that's what would go through my head. Of course, Jesus is going to come, and he's just going to be like, you know, I don't know, kiss and like pop on the forehead or whatever Jesus does, like some kind of thing that he does to heal people, and Lazarus will be fine. This is kind of what we would assume would happen. They totally expect him to do that. Certainly, he'd do the same thing, but God doesn't always Makes sense. So let's turn to John chapter 11, and we're going to walk through this story, and we're going to see some of it's going to be painful, and some of it is going to be encouraging. And I believe at the end of this, we're going to see something and have a different view of how who God is, and I believe it's going to speak deeply into when we have to wait. John chapter 11, the very first verse, 
It says this, now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse 3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, this is an interesting little moment here. The one you love, you know that you're close with someone when you have a pet name for them, right? When you have a nickname for them. He didn't have to say, Lazarus is sick. He said, the one you love. Like, Jesus would know exactly who he's talking about, right? So, like, we've got, you know, nicknames for our friends. Maybe it's a Biffle. Maybe it's a uh, you know, like your best bud or it's Brosif or whatever you'd call it, you know, for guys, whatever, I don't know, whatever, right? Or for like a, like a spouse, you know, it's like baby or honey. It's like that kind of thing. The one you love is sick. So they're letting him know, I know exactly who you're talking about. So he's saying, and then they're thinking to themselves, okay, don't worry. Jesus will be here. Jesus is part of our life group. So I'm sure he's going to come. Like, this is the thought process. Of course, we're going to send a message. He doesn't know unless we tell him. So we're going to send him a message that the one you love is sick. He'll be here. Well, the next day, don't worry. He's coming. I promise. Jesus will be here. Don't worry. I promise he'll be here. I know he's coming. Well, Jesus doesn't come that day. He doesn't come the next day. An hour after hour after hour, checking your watch. I don't get it. Where is he? He was supposed to be here. I thought he would come, right? Now imagine what's going through their mind. Because it's the same thing that goes through my mind when I'm waiting. If you've ever found yourself in a waiting period, in a time where you're like, I just don't know what's going on. I feel like time is of the essence. What happens is, and if you're like me, you start to think about all the things that you've done in partnership with God, for God, and you want to remind him of those things. Maybe hoping that like somehow it's going to like, oh, I forgot. You know, things like, well, Lord, I'm a pastor of a church. You know, I've, I've given the last four years of my life dedicated to your work. You know, like, hey, um, or maybe something along the lines of, you know, I listen to Christian radio, K-Love, God. I listen to K-Love. Or I Instagram Bible verses all the time. You know, or I serve in EC Kids at church. You know, I get up in the morning and I, I'm hanging out with snotty-nosed kids on Sunday for you. I love you. Certainly you could come and help me, right? I mean, I know that sounds silly, but these are some of the things that we do. You know, we, we think about all the things that we have done that make us feel like we're a good person, that somehow we deserve this, right? I can imagine that this is what's going through the minds of Mary and Martha. Jesus, I thought we were close. Why aren't you showing up? I don't understand. You were my friend. You hung out. You ate my food. We hung out together. We went on vacation together. Why aren't you showing up? I've done all these things for you, God. Why aren't you doing this for me? But Jesus doesn't come. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. So if you find yourself in a place where you're waiting on God, and God even seems late. Some of you in the room today, you might be feeling like it's already too late. The thing that I was praying for is done. For some of you, you're still in that place. It might be an incredibly difficult season of something you're like, I don't understand. I want to tell you two things to remember when waiting on God. Two things to remember when waiting on God that we see in the story. Number one is this, is that God's delays are not necessarily denials. 
God's delays are not necessarily denials. So verse 4, we pick up the story, and it says this. When he heard this, so Mary and Martha sent a note. Hey, Jesus, you're the one you love, your buddy, is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So what, I mean, if I got that message, I, would, I wouldn't be quite sure what to think of it, what to make of it. I, I don't understand. It's not going to end in death, but he's like sick, and you're not here, and you're still a couple days away. What are you telling me? Jesus is sitting here going, I know. I'm in control. I'm aware of the situation. The story is not going to end the way that you think it's going to end. But I want you to know that I'm doing something bigger. It's not just about Lazarus. It's not just about him getting sick and him getting healed. It's about glory to me. You need to understand that I'm trying to, God is bringing glory to the Son, to Jesus through this process. All throughout Scripture, we see that God's primary concern is that the world would know who he is. That he would know how good he is. And so Jesus is not only concerned with the one moment, the one thing that's happening. He says, I know what's happening, but you have to understand that there's more at work. I want to bring glory to myself so that, you, so that the world will see, the world will know. And the problem is, is that they didn't want to hear this, but Jesus was saying is that he wanted to be glorified through this very thing that they never wanted to see happen. And that's important for us to understand, that little nugget right there, is that God just might be wanting to bring glory to himself for the rest of the world to see how good he is in a moment where you would never, ever choose that thing for yourself. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. And sometimes I would say this, is that many delays are divine delays. God might have a reason for the not yet. He might have something that's happening. There's a reason for the not yet. God often wants to do something in you. I believe this. God often wants to do something in you before he does something for you. I believe this. This has happened in my own life. During times of waiting season, I have been learning patience. I'm in the middle of one myself. I explained some of that last week. Uh, the last year of my life has been a lot of transition. During this period of time, as uncomfortable as it has been for me, I have seen God very clearly developing patience in me. I've seen him developing perspective in me. I've, I've seen him develop a dependency on him, that, that reorganizing and reprioritizing the things in my life that I gain strength from and that I know I can hold on to. Dependency, reliance. He's taught me to walk in faith more. More than ever in my life have I seen in the last four years, particularly and even in this last year of stepping out without knowing if there was a step in front of me and walking and knowing that he is taking place and they will always keep me upright. I have seen this happen in my life. Sometimes God wants to do something in you before he's going to do the thing for you. And just because you don't see anything happening in your life does not mean that God isn't working. With God, a, waste, a waiting season is never a wasted season. So time goes on. Time goes by. Lazarus is super sick, really, really sick. Jesus is going to be here any minute, right? That's kind of, I know, I'm holding on. But what happens? Lazarus dies, dead. Where is God in that? In those moments when the clock has run out, it went down to zero. We're looking at double zeros all over on the scoreboard. What are we supposed to do? Where are you, God? I thought Everything I knew about you, 
appears to be a lie. That's how many of us feel in these moments. So Jesus finally shows up, and he's late, really late, like insultingly late. And here's why. Check this out, verse 17. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the, de- in the tomb for four days. And the NIV translation of the Bible says that, that, that he had been in there four days and that there was a bad odor. And the King James Version uses this word, stinketh. He stinketh. Can you imagine that word? That's not one we use every day. He stinketh. Now, this is interesting to note. There's a little bit of context in here that really that I love when you dig into Scripture and there's study tools. And if you can understand the context, you'll understand the significance. Why was it that Jesus was insultingly late? Well, because the number of days right here that it says four days gives us an indication of what we're talking about. It's significant because at the time there was a superstition that told people that for three days, they believed that three days after someone's death, that the body would actually hover there. They believed that for three days after someone passed away, that the body would hang out and just sort of sit there for three days, right? A lot like uh, in, the, in The Princess Bride, the movie The Princess Bride. Do you ever seen that? Anybody seen The Princess Bride? Raise your hand if you've ever seen this movie. We have a picture right here of, uh, a, yes, so this scene right here where he is mostly dead. This is, this is where, uh, where, where Wesley uh, has pretty much died. And in this case, this is what they believed, what the Jewish people believed, that for three days after someone died, that he was mostly dead. That, he, that, like that there could be a miracle. There's passages of Scripture in the Old Testament where people were raised from the dead. Okay, But after three days, you were done. That body, that spirit was gone. That was the superstition. The superstition said that for three days, you're mostly dead. Okay, But Jesus didn't come on the third day. Jesus came on the fourth day, and on the fourth day, that means that you're all dead, all the way dead, completely gone. There is no hope whatsoever. So when Jesus walks in and he comes into town, any hope of them finding what they wanted is gone. Can you imagine how ticked off that you would be as soon as you saw the one who you knew could help but didn't? So this is where the stage that we see. Right here, Jesus shows up on the fourth day. Jesus, you failed me. I don't get it. Verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. He wasn't there yet. Can you imagine this? Like, oh, oh, he's coming, is he? Right? Walking out there, stomping, hand on the hip. Jesus. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, and I can just imagine all of the emotion in these sentences. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Did you not get my text? You got the one about dinner. You showed up for that. I mean, imagine. This is what, this is real. When people tell me that the Bible is irrelevant, I just... They're not reading it. They're not reading it in a way that, that, that inserts real life. Your brother just died. And we oftentimes think of Jesus as, you know, like 
to be revered. And certainly that's true. The Son of God deserves to be worshipped and he deserves to be given respect and honor. But if you are close to someone and you're friends with someone, you better believe that in my anger and in my frustration, where were you? I needed you. Right? This moment right now, Mary is, or Martha is so frustrated. This is reality. The Bible is real life. But it's interesting. She says in verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Do you see the tension here? I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand. I can't see it. My mind does not show a way out of this. My mind cannot understand. The facts show that my, my brother is dead. He's done. Four days have gone by. No one has ever been resurrected after that. No one in the history of, of humanity. This is not possible. But yet, there is something inside of me that says, I believe in who you are because I've seen what you have done. I believe you can do something. I'm ticked at you. I'm angry at you. This never should have happened. But there's something inside of me that says, I believe that if you want to, you can still do it. Do you see this tension? This is where we live. And there is no indication of any kind that, that, that Jesus looks at her and says, I can't believe you would treat me like this. So many of you right now need to understand that you can be honest before God. You don't have to feel guilty about the way that you feel about your emotions. Did you see what Martha did? She came to him and said, I don't understand, but I believe in something even if I can't see see it. That's incredibly important for us to understand. We can live in the tension of both doubt, frustration, anger, sadness, discouragement, and faith at the same time. So, you're waiting. Nothing is happening. Your business isn't growing. Your relationship is not progressing. Your health is not improving. God, you are not meeting my expectations. I don't understand. God, why aren't you meeting my expectations? And that brings us to our second point to remember when we're waiting on God. Is that if God always met our expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. If God always gave us everything that we wanted in the way that we thought we should get it, he would never have a chance to prove that he was God and bigger than us. Better than us, knowing more than us. Look what Jesus says in verse 23. He says to her, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. I want you to notice between verse 22 and verse 23, everything changes. Before verse 23 comes along, all hope was lost. There was nothing. Without Jesus, there is no hope. There was no chance. Lazarus is dead. He is gone. I'm frustrated. I'm stuck in anger for the rest of my life. But verse 23 comes along. Jesus changes everything. Your brother will rise again. Now, obviously, in her mind, in her understanding, Martha answers in verse 24. Well, I know. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. That's, that's sort of like that, that kind of cliche that Christians say, yeah, I know. I know. Everything will get better, you know, when we all get to heaven. You know, it's like when, when life is over, one day everything will be fine. But, like, I'm not talking about that. Like, right now I'm, I'm ticked and angry. Jesus is trying to say to her, maybe, yes, of course, you know, you know that the resurrection at the end days where people will rise. That's not what I'm talking about. 
your brother who's in that tomb, I'm speaking existence into something that you think is dead and is gone. And for some of you in the room, God is trying to talk to you and saying, don't give up on the thing that he has for you. Now, I don't know what your situation is. I don't know the specifics of it. All I'm saying to you is that don't get stuck in a verse 22 world where you believe that because you can't see it, that God isn't working, that God doesn't care. The reality is is that any moment of verse 23 could come along where Jesus would speak to you and say, I'm doing something new. And because he is who he is, he can do it. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm going to be glorified through this. It's not just about what you want. There's more going on here than you can see right now. She says, I need something, Jesus. And look what happens here. I love this. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I embody it. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will never die. And like that's hope for us, right? As Christians, that gives us hope to know that no matter what, even if I don't get the thing, even if I don't ever get healed, even if my depression never goes away, if my migraines don't ever go away, if I, if I, whatever it is that you're waiting for doesn't, I know that one day things will be made right. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is not just concerned about the future. He does care about what's happening today. He's doing something in your life. Sometimes he wants to do something in you before he wants to do it for you. But other times, if God always met your expectations in the moment, he could never exceed those things in your life. Mary and Martha wanted a healing, but Jesus wanted a resurrection. There is a huge difference. If Lazarus had been just healed, this story today would have stopped short of what it could have been. They wanted to bring glory to Jesus. Jesus wanted to show that he was above the master of death, that he had the capability to do everything, to undo your expectations. There is a miracle potentially waiting for you, but if you don't even believe that he could do it, I don't know. Jesus was trying to upset the the status quo of things. He was saying, I want something greater. And if God always met your expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. And what you expected, as Jesus is saying, what you expected is not what I had planned. I have something far greater. Verse 43, Jesus said, take away the stone. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, indicating that this spirit of this man was long gone. He was not right hanging out. Lazarus, come out. And it was like right away, verse 44, the dead man came out. The dead man walked The dead man came out, the one who was four days gone, the one who was all the way dead, the one who had no chance of resurrection at the words of the master, the words of the one who holds the keys to life and death in his hand, spoke, and it happened. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. Sometimes God wants to do something inside of you. He wants you to become a different person. He's working on something before he wants to do something for you. And if God always met our expectations, he would never 
have the opportunity to exceed them. So I would say to you, just because you're not married doesn't mean that God isn't preparing someone for you. Just because you lost one job doesn't mean that another one isn't coming that might be better for you. Just because you can't conceive doesn't mean that you won't conceive. Just because you haven't found the house yet doesn't mean that God doesn't have that one out there for you. Whatever it might be, and maybe that you might even adopt a kid instead of having your own. I don't know. Just because you don't see it yet doesn't mean that God is not moving, that he won't bring it about. And I would say this to you. Listen to me closely. This is, the, this is like one of the most important pieces of this entire passage of Scripture. The scene of your greatest disappointment may become the setting of your greatest miracle. That's the God that we serve. You need to understand this. The scene of your greatest disappointment, the thing that is breaking your heart, the thing, the moment where you look and you say, I am alone, God is not present, might be the setting of your greatest miracle. Who is our God? Do we trust him? Maybe the thing that you never wanted to happen, the thing that no one would ever ask for, could be what God uses to reveal his goodness and his plans for you beyond your greatest expectations. So, what do we do when God doesn't make sense? What do we do when God seems late? What do we do when we're waiting? When our job isn't working out the way we want it to? When we, our school isn't working properly? When our marriage is falling apart? When we're sick and we are not feeling well, and when it doesn't get any better, when we're hurt, when we don't understand, when we're stuck in verse 22, when there is no hope, we have to read verse 23. We have to trust that a verse 23 is coming so that God will be glorified. God, I don't know what you're doing. I can't see it. I feel hopeless, but I know that you can do. That's what Martha said, right? She looked at him and said, you should have been here. And then she somehow, from this place of this deep place in her soul, but I know that you can if you want to or you're able to. I believe in response to that faith, Jesus said something to her. The miracle might be coming. Now listen to me. Verse 23 does not mean that you will get everything that you want. That's an American version of Christianity that has infiltrated the church in our country for far too long. Just because you pray for something and just because God is a good God does not mean that you will get everything that you want. But God is still good. And God is still capable of the miracle. But remember from last week, plans of the man's heart are many, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We have to trust that God is good and that what is happening is at minimum temporary, but that he sees the whole landscape and that he is doing something, that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We have to trust that. In the light of eternity, the God who sees eons and eons and eons, 
What does that look like for me today? The only guarantee that we have is that Jesus will be glorified through it. Always. God always has a purpose. And part of that is always going to be, how will Christ be glorified through this? How will he tell a story that people will see, wow, look what Jesus did. And Just like last week, I may not understand the plan, but I trust God and that he has a purpose. And not only that, but that somehow he's going to be glorified through my suffering, through the waiting, through the not understanding, trust in him. Would you stand with me and pray? Some of you are in a waiting season right now. I want you to hear the word that God is speaking to you into your heart, into your situation today. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season believe God wants to just hammer this into your heart today. If you are in a waiting season, listen to what God is saying to you. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Hold on in faith. God may want to do something in you, inside of you, in your heart, in your life. He may be trying to draw attention to something. He's trying to grow you or develop you. And he may be trying to do that before he does something for you. And if God always met every expectation, he would never have the opportunity to show up and exceed them. Listen to me. Close your eyes and just allow your heart to be just open to him. God works in everything. He uses the good. He uses the bad to bring about good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So in these waiting seasons, in this time, when the things that we need, that we want, that we're praying for, God, we choose to trust you. Make that your prayer this morning. Believing that you are always a good God. You are good. I say that to you. I declare that even though I don't see what's happening, even though it seems late, even though the thing that I wanted or needed or believed for has come and gone, I believe you are good. I trust you. And so, Father, I pray for faith to trust in God's goodness for every person in the room right now, for those who are going through something. In Jesus' name, I pray for an incredible faith that would rise up, that they would see your goodness, that they would know that you love them, that you see them, that they have not forgotten them. I pray that you would rise it up, that they would continue to pray for the thing that is that they're waiting for, that they would seek you on their knees, that they would knock on the door like your word says, to keep knocking, keep asking, and to not give up, and to wait for the miracle, and to trust that you are good. Pray for miracles. Pray for healing in bodies. I pray for restoration of relationships. I pray for forgiveness in relationships. I pray for financial provision, for jobs, and for the faith to know that no matter what happens, you will be with us and that you are working on behalf of us. For some of you in the room, a lot of things are going on in your life. A lot of things are happening, a lot of difficulties. And I'm not blaming God for these things that have happened to you, but I believe that sometimes God does allow things to happen to give us nowhere else to look but toward him. I believe it with all my heart. I've seen it operate in my life. 
that God uses the circumstances and he brings us to the end of our rope. And sometimes all we can do now is look up to him. And for some of you, that's exactly where you are. You know it, you feel it. And what I want to say to you, you might feel awkward. There's this weirdness in your heart. You're like, what is this feeling? I would contend to you, suggest to you that it is the Holy Spirit trying to draw you to give your life to Jesus. To the one who appeared to be late, but in the end had the power to overcome death. I believe that he wants to know you, that he is, Jesus was sent by God, the God who loves you, sent Jesus to the earth to show us what life was like, to show us how life should be lived. I believe that God sent him because he loved the world for you because he did not want any person to go through life not knowing that there was a creator, that there was, that there is hope. But he's waiting for you to recognize and to say, just to say to him, to look at him and to say, I I don't know what else to do. I need you. I believe in this power. I believe that that you did that, that you can do that, that my life is a mess. It's screwed up. It's terrible. There are so many things that I can't fix, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to give you a shot. I'm going to trust that you are bigger than me, that you can do more. And if that's you this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity to say yes to him, to begin the journey of walking with Jesus. And I tell you, I promise you that if you give your life to Christ, it is never a bad decision. I'm not saying that everything's going to get better for you right away. I'm not saying that everything that you want in your life is going to come to you. But I will tell you that you will never be alone. That something will happen inside of you. You'll be transformed. You'll become a different person. You'll see the world differently. And as you begin to follow Jesus and to learn from him and to change your life to orient around the way that he created life to be, you will begin to see the things in your life fall into place the way they're supposed to, the way that God designed them to. Your relationships will be mended. Your finances will will improve, not just because of of any magic formulas, but because when we operate under who God created life to be like is when we begin to see his blessing on our lives. If you want that, if you want to say, I don't know what else to do, I'm turning up to you, I'm looking towards you. And all together as one body, we're just going to pray together. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus today, just say this prayer with us, all of us together aloud. Jesus, I need you. I need your help. Make me brand new. I believe that Jesus died for me so that I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so that I can serve you. I will follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.